Welcome to the Vintage Church NOLA podcast. Vintage Church is a multi-church, multi-city movement of truth, love, and community. For information, visit vintagechurchmovement.com. Here is this week's message. Welcome. Welcome. There it is. There it is. Hey, we are so glad you're here. Uh, Whether you are here in person right now or maybe you're watching online at Vintage Church online. Uh, We're so glad you're tuning in. My name is Matthew Weaver, and I serve here as one of the pastors. I'm so excited to bring the word this weekend, and we're in our series called Becoming, and we're looking at these different Christian virtues and how we can live these virtues out. But the first thing we're doing every single week is we're reading uh, our foundational text together, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. So if you are here in person, why don't you stand with me? If you're watching online, we're going to read this out loud together. Uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. It's going to be on the screen as well. It says this. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Y'all grab a seat. Man, it is so exciting to be here with you, and uh, what an awesome time of worship. And I'm excited about uh, bringing this message to you. And first thing that I want to do, though, is I want to thank Chris Wilson and the team. This past Sunday was uh, Pastor Appreciation Month. And if you were here in person, or maybe you watched online, you saw the really funny stuff that Chris and Mark pulled off up here, and it was awesome. So I do want to thank them, and I just want to say I'm blessed to serve here as, as a pastor with this, this team, these pastors, this staff. Uh, it's truly a joy and an honor. We love you guys so much, and we just thank you for that honor. And I just want to also, very, you know, very quickly, he doesn't know I'm doing this, but I want us to thank our lead pastor, Dustin Turner, honor him, and just love on him. We're so thankful for Dustin, the way he leads our church, and uh, we love you guys, so thank you for that, and I'm going to try to not mess with my mic as much today, okay? We'll see what I can do, we'll see what I can do. Okay, so in this series called Becoming, uh, looking at these Christian virtues, so far we have looked at faith, virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, and today we're going to look at brotherly affection. Brotherly affection. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 7 says this. 
For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection. Our main idea this weekend is, we become who God wants us to become when we honor and love one another deeply. When we honor and love one another deeply, brotherly affection, we're gonna become who God wants us to become when we strive to love one another and honor one another. So the first thing I wanna do for us is just define brotherly affection. What is brotherly affection? And the way that I wanna do that, I want you to go to Romans chapter 12, okay? Romans chapter 12. I'm gonna read verses nine through 10 in just a second, but before we do that, uh, the Greek language, there's this word called Philadelphia. You ever heard of it? Probably so, right? Philadelphia. And that Greek word actually means brotherly love. The city of Philadelphia was named after uh, the city of brotherly love. And it's a, it's a word we read about in the Greek New Testament as well. There's a city in the Bible called Philadelphia, and they're always named out of an overflow of a meaning of love. And in Romans 12, uh, Paul, uh, he's writing to the church of Rome, he's writing to us as well, and he's teaching us here about brotherly affection. And what he wants us to know is that brotherly affection or brotherly love goes far beyond the commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, it actually goes the extra mile. It doesn't just stop at loving your neighbor as yourself, it, it strives to treat one another as we would actually treat want to treat our biological family, right? We are the body of Christ. We are family in here at Vince's Church, if you know Christ. And if we know Christ and we love Christ together, uh, we are called to model brotherly love to one another. And, and I want you to know this, okay? Brotherly love is meant to be, the original meaning is the context is within Christians, okay? Um, next week, Pastor Dust is gonna preach on that last virtue of love, and that's about loving the world. Today we're gonna to focus on Christians loving Christians. The church loving the church. That's what this is all about. Loving one another as Christ has loved us. So Romans 12, nine through 10 uh, says this. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil and hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another and showing honor. I mean, so how can we define brotherly, brotherly affection? I just did it in a second ago, but here's a simple definition I want you to write down. Brotherly affection means to honor and love one another deeply. Okay? To honor and love one another deeply. Affection equals love. Christians loving Christians as Christ has first loved us. And so what does this look like? Every single week, what we're doing is we're, uh, we're going to an Old Testament story, and we're either looking at an example of what to do or what not to do. I've got what not to do, okay? And then we're going to go to the example of Jesus and look at what to do. How do we model brotherly affection? So the first example we're going to look at is the example of Jacob, okay? The example of Jacob. Turn to Genesis chapter 27, Genesis chapter 27, the example of Jacob. And while you're turning to Genesis 27, let me explain, okay, the bigger picture of what's going on in this portion of Scripture. The generations of Noah and the flood have come, 
A new generation is happening. God calls out a man named Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. God calls Abraham to go and to leave his home and to go to a place called Canaan. God makes a covenant with Abraham uh, that his descendants would outnumber the stars and God would use Abraham to lead his people. Later on, God tests Abraham by calling him to go and sacrifice his long-awaited son, Isaac. Abraham gets on the altar. He's about to make a sacrifice to his son, uh, sacrifice for God to his son. He goes to do this, and God stops him and provides the sacrifice of a lamb. And what's happening there is Abraham's faith is being confirmed and strengthened in God as he's testing Abraham's faith. Abraham later dies. He has a son, right? Isaac grows older and older. Isaac has two sons, Jacob and Esau. And ever since birth, these two sons constantly fought for their father's attention. I mean, constantly trying to prove who was better and and going at it with one another. And in Genesis 25, we see Esau, he's the older son, coming home from hunting. And he goes to his younger son, Jacob, for a bowl of stew because he's hungry, and he sells his birthright to Jacob for a bowl of stew. He compromised a future inheritance of his father's possessions and all those benefits for a weak moment when he was hungry. And so we see as we read about these brothers that Isaac and his son Esau were similar because they loved to be outside, they loved to hunt wild game, and Isaac's wife Rebecca, the mom, and the younger son Jacob were similar because they loved to be inside working around the house. It's clear that this family loved each other, but what's also clear as you read about them is that there was a lot of unhealthy elements of favoritism in this family. Favoritism. And in Genesis 27, Isaac is old. He can barely see. He's about to die. And he goes and asks for Esau, his older son, to come and to go hunt something, to bring him back some food and bless him, which was very important to Esau because, remember, his birthright was taken from him. So he wanted anything that he could get for the future from his father. So what happens here is that Rebekah overhears Isaac and Esau. Rebekah calls for Jacob. She tells Jacob to go out and do the same thing to win Isaac's approval. Jacob comes back first with the meal, with what he's hunted. He disguises himself as Esau. He appears, and Isaac blesses Jacob instead of Esau. Esau comes back after Jacob with his meal, with his hunted game, and tries to do the same thing and finds out that Jacob had already stolen his blessing. And he did all of it while lying. So in verses 18 through 25 of Genesis 27, we pick up where Rebekah had told Jacob to go out and hunt, serve him a meal, and disguise himself as his brother Esau. And look at verses 18 through 25 of Genesis 27. The text says, So he went into his father and said, My father, and he said, Here I am. Who are you, son? Jacob said to his father, I'm Esau, your firstborn. I've I've done as you have told me. Now sit up and eat of the game that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? He answered, Because the Lord your God granted me success. And then Isaac said to Jacob, Please, Come near that I may fill you, my son, to know, the, to know whether you are really Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, who felt him and said, 
The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. And he said, are you really my son Esau? And he answered, I am. I am. Then he said, bring it near to me that I may eat of my son's game and bless you. So he brought it near to him. He ate, he brought him wine, and he drank. What's the very first thing we can learn from Jacob's example of how not to model brotherly affection? Number one is this. Don't let pride and jealousy determine your motives and actions. Don't let pride and jealousy determine your motives and actions. Clearly within this family, there was a huge issue of pride and jealousy. Obviously with Rebecca, the wife, the mom, she was jealous. She wanted Jacob to get the attention, and she puts the bug in Jacob's ear and says, hey, you should go and do this. And then Jacob does it. And what was meant to be a moment for Esau and Isaac turned into a moment for Jacob and Isaac, but all while lying and sinning against God. All with prideful and jealous motives and actions. You know, brotherly affection can sometimes be hard for us because our motives are prideful and we want attention. Me, just being transparent with you, I often really struggle to celebrate sometimes when God is working in someone else's life because I become jealous. Anybody else? I'm not the only one. That's good. Okay. I see some heads going like this. I, I sometimes struggle with pride and jealousy, and maybe somebody gets something that I kind of want, right? Or I've been longing for, or I've been waiting for, or I've been praying for. Uh, maybe just deep down I want something, and somebody else is getting the exact thing that I want. I'm prideful apart from Christ. I'm jealous apart from Christ. But what Christ calls us to is love, humility, and honor. And what brotherly affection should bring us to do, guys, is to celebrate when God is working in someone else's life. To celebrate when God is moving and doing amazing things in our family and our friends and those in our church family. And not be jealous, not be prideful, but be in the journey that we're on Celebrate God with our story and celebrate with others, and God will bless that. Don't let pride and jealousy determine your motives and your actions. Look at verse 30. Let's keep moving. Genesis 27, verses 30 through 36. Let's move forward just a little bit. The text says this. As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, when Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. He also prepared delicious food, and he brought it to his father. And he said to his father, Let my father arise and eat of his son's game, that you may bless me. His father Isaac said to him, Who are you? And he answered, I'm your son, your firstborn Esau. And then Isaac trembled very violently and said, Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me, and I ate it all before you, and I've already blessed him? Yes, he shall be blessed. As soon as Esau heard these words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry, and he said to his father, Bless me, even me also, my father. But he said, Your brother came deceitfully, and he's already taken away your blessing. Esau said, Is he not rightly named Jacob? For he's cheated me now two times. 
He took away my birthright, and now he has taken away my blessing. Verse 41 says, Now Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, The days of mourning for my father are approaching. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. What's the next thing we can learn from the example of Jacob? Number two, selfish temporary satisfaction isn't worth the negative consequences. Selfish temporary satisfaction is not worth the negative consequences. Esau shows up, Jacob leaves, Esau shows up with the meal. Isaac realizes that Jacob lied to him and stole Esau's blessing. And now, not only is Isaac upset, but Esau is very upset. Esau begins to build up hate towards his brother. And by the way, he probably already had a lot of negative thoughts towards his brother from stealing his birthright. And this just added on to it. And now he wants to kill his brother. And if you keep reading in the scripture, you see Rebecca is now like, oh no, I made a big mistake. And she tells Jacob to run away. And now there's just a huge mess and a picture of a family that is divided and hateful towards one another because of someone's selfish action. Have you ever done something in the moment that you didn't think all the way through and later on you really regretted it? The answer is yes, right? Everybody, myself included. I know for me, just I've sent a text message before without thinking, an email, a social media post, uh, maybe I said something to someone and I just didn't think it through all the way. I didn't think about the consequences of my actions in that moment and I acted too quickly and it hurt someone later. And what brotherly affection does is it looks beyond what we might want in a selfish moment and it sees the bigger picture of what's going on around us. You know, there's that phrase that we uh, say a lot when we're kids. We tell kids this all the time. Treat others the way that you want to be treated. Treat others the way you want to be treated. I mean, it's a cheesy phrase, like we don't think much about it, but when we think about brotherly affection, this is a great phrase to put into action. Put yourself in someone else's shoes before you do something you're going to regret. The example of Jacob. Let's transition now to the example of Jesus with brotherly affection. We're going to be in John chapter 15 and then Ephesians 5, but uh, go to John 15 first, John chapter 15. And I love this chapter. I love this scripture. Uh, Jesus, he's on his way to the cross. He's, he's been with his disciples, those that walked closely with him. And he's just finished washing their feet to model to them the love that he had for them. That wasn't common at all in those days. And I don't think it's common these days either washing one another's feet. But what it was, it was a demonstration of his love for them, that he would get down below them and humble himself to wash their feet. And ultimately, we know that he's heading to the cross to demonstrate the ultimate example of love to the world. And John 15 is known as the farewell discourse. He's preparing his disciples for what's about to happen and making sure that they understand the most important commandment as a believer is love. So look at uh, John 15, verses 12 through 13. Verses 12 through 13, Jesus says uh, to his disciples, he says, This is my commandment, 
that you love one another. As I have loved you, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. The first thing we can learn from Jesus here is that brotherly affection is sacrificial. Okay, this is, this is what it is. This is a, a, a positive Christ-like model. It's sacrificial. Let me take a quick poll, okay? If you're having a bad day, and we all have them, especially this year, okay? <laughs> you're having a bad day, and if you go and help somebody, or you go and serve somebody, do you feel better? Why do you think that is, especially if you know Christ and you're watching or listening? The reason that you feel better when you go and serve is because in Christ, through the Holy Spirit, you have been given a heart for service. You just have to activate it and act on it and live in it. And brotherly love is sacrificial. Jesus says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as who has loved you? One another or your parents or your friends or your siblings or your neighbor? No, as I have loved you, Jesus Christ. I'm laying down my life for you. Look at verses 16 through 17, uh, John 15, just a few verses later. Jesus continues and he says, You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. Don't miss this right here, okay? Jesus not only modeled brotherly affection, he enables brotherly affection. What Jesus teaches them here is that, hey, I equip and empower you to do the work that I've called you to do. If you abide in me, that's John 15, right? Those that abide in me bear much fruit. If you don't abide in me, you're not going to be able to bear any fruit. But if you abide in me, you're going to bear fruit. And then you're going to be able to love one another as you first love me. I'm not just going to model for you in the way that I live my life how to love others. I'm going to equip and empower you to do it as well. Isn't that good news? Because some of us, myself included, get so down and we think, man, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this. But through Christ, everybody, nothing is impossible. And Jesus equips and empowers us to live in this commandment of love. To live in it. Okay, John 15. Now we're going to go to Ephesians 5. I know we're jumping around here. I had a hard time with this sermon because there's so many great passages about brotherly love. So I'm just giving you just a few this weekend. Ephesians 5, verses 1 through 2. Ephesians 5, verses 1 through 2. This is another text that reflects the example of Jesus. Paul is writing to the church of Ephesus. He's giving them an exhortation of self-sacrificial love. And here's what verses 1 through 2 says. Paul says, Therefore... Be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. What's the next thing we can learn about from the example of Jesus about brotherly affection? Number two, 
Brotherly affection comes from God. Brotherly affection comes from God. You might be thinking, thanks, I think I knew that. Sounds so basic. But when you read Ephesians 5, and I think if we would evaluate the way we live our lives sometimes, this should hit us really hard because as Christians, we must operate first out of our identity. And our identity, if we know Christ, is number one, we are children of God. Children of God before we're anything else. Our identity is not in a sports team. It's not where we live. It's not who our family is. It's, it's not even our jobs or where we work. And it's not the political party that we support or are going to vote for. And everybody needs to hear this, myself included, okay? Believers in Jesus Christ. This presidential election is an opportunity to look like the body of Christ and stay united, not divided, remaining focused on being a child of God first. You are a Christian before you're associated with any political party, period. We cannot allow the hate and division of the world right now to make its way into the church. We can disagree and we can still love each other. Because number one, we are children of God. Does anybody agree with that? That's who we are before we're anything else, period. Children of God. And I love uh, this tweet on the screen. You're going to see it. Ed Stetzer, he's a Christian leader and a pastor. I mean, he tweeted this out the other day, and I just want you to check it out real quick. He said this, Sunday, November 8th, God's people in the U.S. churches will gather after a contentious election. The country will still be divided. But my concern is more for the church. How you act now here on Twitter, social media, and elsewhere will create partisan division or gospel unity. Act accordingly. Act accordingly. Look, I'm preaching to myself, but before you post anything, before you say anything, before you begin to develop any types of bitterness or hate or negative thoughts towards anybody, period, make sure you're checking your heart and you're reminding yourself that you are first a child of God. And that's where brotherly love comes from, not us, not ourselves, only Christ. And look, I understand that this is tough. I mean, like, there's some tough conversations right now, some tough topics that we're discussing. And we did, uh, we did a, an equip series, Carissa Brim, one of our vintage partners, did an online equip series called Say What?, not too long ago, and the whole theme of this series was how to navigate difficult conversations. And it was really helpful, so if you missed that, uh, go check out our website, it could be helpful for you. But we need to know, everybody, that there is, there's a clear distinction between Christians and the world. There should be a clear distinction because we're children of God. We're children of God. Listen to this verse really quick. Psalm 133, verse 1. It's not on the screen, but just listen. Psalm 133, verse 1. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. When, when, when the body of Christ dwells in unity together, keeping the main thing the main thing, man, God loves that. 
God is glorified by that. And not only God, but the world around us is changed by that example because we carry the light. Brotherly affection and love comes from God. Go back to verse 2 real quick as I give you this last truth. Uh, Ephesians 5 verse 2 says, Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. What can we learn from the example of Jesus? And this, just, this is just summing it all up here, is that brotherly affection looks like Jesus. It doesn't just, it's not just sacrificial, okay? It doesn't just come from God, but it looks like Jesus. Maybe you're looking around and you're like, Pastor Weaver, man, who do I look to as an example of brotherly affection? It's a good question. No one's perfect. Even, even your favorite person in the world is going to let you down at some point. They're human, right? Who do I look to? Like, I don't know how to do this. Who's somebody that I, that I can strive for and model after? And Man, give me someone that I can really trust, depend on, and, and model and go after and strive for. And it sounds so simple, guys, but the answer to that problem is Jesus. He's the answer. When you, when you read about the life of Jesus, you look at the way he lived his life, like that's why we read about him is to learn how he lived and to strive after his example. He was fully God and fully man. We can learn from the example of Jesus He's our ultimate example. And I love this. Jesus has given us a model and a mission. Jesus has given us a model and a mission. Verse 2, man, he says, Walk in love as Christ loved us, gave himself up for us, an offering and sacrifice to God. He's modeled it for us, and now he said, Go and do likewise. Brotherly affection. You know, Ventus Church is not a perfect church. No church is, by the way, in case you're wondering, okay? <laughs> because churches are full of people, and people are imperfect. But what a church's role is, is just to love one another, make disciples, and seek Jesus together and change the world, right? At Ventus Church, we try to do that. One thing that I love about Ventus Church, there's so many things I love about this church, but I think one of the things that I thought about as I prepared for this sermon is that Vintage is really a welcoming, hospitable, loving church. Does anybody agree? Would you just shout if you agree? Clap something? Celebrate? Only if you really mean it, okay? Hopefully you do. Uh, I mean, we have amazing V teams, amazing volunteers, staff leaders, V group leaders. I mean, Christina Dupuy does such a great job uh, leading our Connect team. Right? Yeah, we love you, Christina. You're awesome. The team that greets you when you walk in, the team that makes you feel at home, Get you a seat right now, usually pre-COVID makes coffee, all that fun stuff. All of our awesome V teams, I mean, there's so many things I could say about Vintage Church, right? We really try to love one another here. And a phrase that we used to say all the time when I first got here, maybe we should bring it back, is that we are a real church for real people. Church is not a country club, it's a hospital for the broken and the sick, right? Anybody and everybody should be welcomed here. And that's what the church is about. And there's one story that I want to wrap the sermon up with of, of a guy named Jeff 
who experienced within Ventus Church brotherly affection. And it led him to giving his life to Christ. I'm going to read this. Just listen carefully. These are Jeff's words. Jeff says this, My life group has been a life-changing experience for me. And I owe it all to Christ, working through my friends, Steve, Daniel, and Brooks. First, I want to say that Steve has been one of the most hospitable people I've ever met. He graciously opens his house up. He provides a meal for us every single week so that we can share life together and share God's word together. Steve, Daniel, and Brooks were extremely encouraging and understanding of where I was in my journey at the time when we met. I met Daniel and Steve at a vintage men's game night back in spring of 2019. They were playing ping pong, which is one of my favorite games. Uh, Daniel asked me to join his V group, so I did. It was about a month later after getting to know Steve and Daniel at V group that we realized that it makes sense for us to form a life group. Okay, life groups of vintage are gender-specific, smaller accountability groups. Do life together. So they started a life group. It was also very interesting that both of them uh, had signed up for the same Living Waters mission trip to Guatemala that I did that same year. At this point, I knew the Spirit was working in my life, although I do remember questions were often roaming freely in my head, like, what if I don't become a believer? What if I realize that I don't want to do this? Will they still be my friend? What if they find out who I really am? The challenges that came along with meeting up each week became more painful due to the progressive resistance to the truth of Christ that was lingering in the back of my mind. We started off each life group by sharing a meal, our weekly highs and lows, and then we worked through the Gospel of John together. Months later, we were in John 14, learning about the love and patience that Jesus had towards his disciples. It was also during Easter, so I began to reflect on the death, resurrection, and the ascension of Jesus Christ. And on the Friday before Easter, Good Friday, I had this overwhelming feeling that came over me, and I heard deep within that I just needed to accept Jesus. It was a decision that I knew I had to make, or I needed to completely just leave the church. I remember calling Daniel the next day to talk about this, and he encouraged me to pray about it. After this experience, I decided it was time to publicly announce my faith in Jesus Christ as Lord. I was baptized a few weeks later during the peak of the COVID crisis, and now my life looks so different. I have new challenges and different kinds of joys being a born-again Christian. Isn't that amazing? The clear difference now the difference now is that I know who my creator is and how much he loves me, being my true, authentic self. There's a couple pictures we're going to show. Baptism. That was right here uh, during COVID. And then that's a picture of him and his life group enjoying a meal. Why do I share this with you? Because brotherly affection looks like Jesus but it also changes lives. Like, this is not a coincidence. As a Christian, everybody, I believe that Jesus is working in all things. If something happens and it's like, whoa, what just happened? 
Was that God? I don't think it's a coincidence. I think it's God. The Holy Spirit works in our lives, throughout our lives, and all the details. And he was working in Jeff's life leading up to this moment. And his life group showed him true brotherly affection. And it drew him to a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's what it's all about. It changes the world and it stands out. It's easy to be divided. It's easy to not love one another. That's the easy way to live. But you know what brings true life and true satisfaction and really glorifies Christ? Loving one another as Christ has first loved us. So because of Jesus, we not only know what true brotherly affection looks like, we know where true brotherly affection is found. It's found in Jesus Christ and his church. As the band comes up, I'm going to ask you a few questions. They're going to be on the screen. And uh, these are questions I want you to think about for prayerful reflection this week. Write them down. Take a picture of them. And uh, let, these, let God work on your life this week through these questions. Number one, how have you practiced and received brotherly affection in your life? All right, think about it, because all of us, to some degree, if you know Christ, like, even if you don't know Christ, maybe someone's loved you like Christ. But you've experienced brotherly affection, or you have given it as well. Don't forget those moments of your life that have lifted you up. Reflect on those. Number two, what holds you back from practicing brotherly affection? All of us, guys, have holes and, and weak moments, all of us, that we need to identify and work on. So what are those for you? Number three, what are two to three ways that you can live with more brotherly affection? You've identified those things. What are some next steps you can take? And number four, how can Jesus help you practice brotherly affection more? Because remember, becoming who God wants us to become is a work of God and us obeying him. It's God empowering us and us obeying him together. You've got to have Jesus to do that. So who are you becoming? Are you showing love and honor to others? Who are you becoming? Are you showing love and honor to others? Let's pray. God, we love you, and uh, we just thank you. God, we thank you that true brotherly affection, brotherly love was demonstrated to us first through Jesus, through what you've done for us on the cross, is that you have taken all of our sins and you have died for them. You've taken that penalty that truthfully none of us could ever bear that weight. You bore it for us. And you died a real death and then you rose victoriously. And you came and you've now given us your Holy Spirit. One day you're coming back again. And until that day, the mission carries on to love others as you have loved us. Help us to remember what this is all about. The church loving the church to then change the world. 
So God, as we respond, would you just speak to us? May we be obedient to you in Jesus' name, amen.